0: Welcome back listeners to Sandman Stories Presents, a folklore podcast where I read you to sleep or until the next story. I'm your host Dustin. Today we are back in the Panchatantra. In the last story, we heard about a man who saved some animals and was repaid, but when he saved a man, things went in another direction. In this story, we're about to learn about a flea and a bed bug who have a hard time sharing a bed. And then in the second chapter, Victor warns Lively about Rusty's supposed plans to eat him and the blue coyote. Okay, let's begin. Chapter 13, Leap and Creep. In the palace of a certain king stood an incomparable bed, blessed with every bedroom virtue. In a corner of the duvet lived a little female louse named Creep. Surrounded by a thriving family of sons and daughters, with sons and daughters and sons of daughters and sons of daughters, and even more remote descendants, she drank the king's blood as he slept. On this diet, She grew plump and handsome. While she was living there in this manner, a flea named Leap drifted in on the wind and dropped down onto the bed. This flea felt some supreme satisfaction on examining the bed. The wonderful delicacy of its duvet, its double pillow, its exceptional softness like that of a broad, gentle sandbank, and its delicious perfume. Charmed by the sheer delight of touching it, He hopped this way and that, until, fate willed it so, he chanced to meet Creep, who said to him, Where do you come from? This is a dwelling fit for a king. Be gone, and lose no time about it. Madam, he said, you should not say such things, for the Brahmin reveres fire, himself the lower caste desire. His wife reveres her husband dear, but all the worlds must guests revere. Now I am your guest. I have recently sampled the various blood of Brahmins, warriors, businessmen, and serfs, but found it acidic, slimy, and quite unwholesome. On the contrary, he who rests in this bed must have delightful vital fluid, just like nectar. It must be free from morbidity, since wind, bile, and phlegm are kept in harmony by constant and heedful use of potions curated by physicians. It must be enriched by meat, unctuous, tender, melting in the mouth, victuals prepared from the flesh of the choicest creatures of land, water, and air, seasoned furthermore with sugar, pomegranate, ginger, and pepper. To me, it seems like the elixir of life. Therefore, with your kind permission, I plan to taste this sweet and fragrant substance, thus combining pleasure and profit. No, she said, for fiery-mouthed stingers like you, it is out of the question. Leave this bed, you know the proverb the fool who does not know, his own resource, his foe, his duty, time, and place, who sets a reckless pace, will by the wayside fall, will reap no fruit at all. Thereupon he fell at her feet, repeating his request, and she agreed, since courtesy was her hobby. When the story of the Prince of Sharpers, Muladeva, was being repeated to the king, she lay on a corner of the coverlet. She had heard about how Muladeva quoted this verse in answer to the question of a certain damsel. Whoever, angry as can be, has spurned a groveling enemy, and Shiva, Vishnu, Brahma, he, has scorned the Holy Trinity. Recalling this, she agreed, but added, However, you must not come to dinner at the wrong time or place. What is the right place and the right time? he asked. Being a newcomer, I am not up to date. And she replied, When the king's body is mastered by wine, fatigue, or sleep, then you may quietly bite him on the feet. That is the right place and the right time. To these conditions, he gave his agreement. In spite of this arrangement, the famished bungler, when the king had just dozed off in the early evening, bit him on the back. And the poor king, as if burned by a firebrand, as if stung by a scorpion, as if touched by a torch, bound to his feet, scratched his back, and cried to his servant, Rascal! Somebody bit me! You must hunt through this bed until you find the insect! Now Leap heard the king's command, and in a terrified haste crept into the crevice of the bed. Then the king's servants entered, and followed their master's orders, brought a lamp, and made a close inspection. As fate would have it, they came upon Creep as she crouched in the fold of the fabric, and they killed her and her family. And that is why I say, with no stranger share your house, and the rest of it. And another thing, my lord and king does wrong in neglecting the servants or by his inheritance, for. Whoever leaves his friends, strange folks to cherish, like foolish fierce Howl, will ultimately perish. How was that? asked Rusty. And Victor told the story of the blue jackal. 14. The Blue Jackal There once was a jackal named Fierce Howell who lived in a cave near the suburbs of the city. One day, while he was hunting for food, his throat pinched with hunger and he wandered into the city after nightfall. There the city dogs snapped at his limbs with their sharp pointed teeth and terrified his heart with their dreadful barking so that he stumbled this way and that way in his efforts to escape. He happened to stumble into the house of a dyer, There he fell into a tremendous indigo vat, and all the dogs went home. Presently the jackal managed to crawl out of the indigo vat and escape into the forest. There all the thronging animals in his vicinity caught a glimpse of his body dyed with the juice of an indigo. They cried out, What is this creature enriched with, that unmatched color? They fled, their eyes dancing with terror, and spread the report, Oh, oh, here is an exotic creature that has dropped from somewhere. Nobody knows what his conduct might be, or his energy. We are going to Vamoose, for the proverb says, Where you do not know, conduct, stock, and pluck. Tis not wise to trust, if you wish for luck. Now Fierce howl perceived their dismay, and called to them, Come, come, you wild things. Why do you flee in terror at the sight of me? For Indra, realizing that the forest creatures have no monarch, anointed me as your king. My name is Fierce Howl." Rest in safety within the cage, formed by my irresistible paws. On hearing this, the lions, tigers, leopards, monkeys, rabbits, gazelles, jackals, and other species of wildlife bowed humbly, saying, Master, prescribe us our duties. Thereupon he appointed the lion prime minister, and the tiger lord of the bedchamber, while the leopard was made custodian of the king's betel nut, the elephant the doorkeeper, and the monkey the bearer of the royal parasol but to all the jackals, his own kindred, he administered a cuffing and drove them away. Thus he enjoyed the kingly glory, while lions and others killed food animals and laid them before him. These he divided and distributed to all after the manner of kings. While time passed in this fashion, he was sitting one day in his court when he heard the sound made by a pack of jackals howling nearby. At this his body thrilled, His eyes filled with tears of joy. He leaped to his feet and began to howl in a piercing tone. When the lions and others heard this, they perceived that he was a jackal and stood for a moment shamefaced and downcast. Then they said, Look, we have been deceived by this jackal. Let the fellow be killed. And when he heard this, he endeavored to flee, but was torn to bits by a tiger and died. And that is why I say, Whoever leaves his friends and the rest of it. Then Rusty asked, How am I to recognize that he is treacherous, and what is his fighting technique? And Victor answered, "Formerly he would come into the presence of my lord and king with limbs relaxed. If today he approaches timidly, in obvious readiness to thrust with his horns, then the king may understand that he has treachery in mind. Hereupon Victor rose and visited Lively. To him also he showed himself sluggish, like one penetrated by disagreement. Therefore Lively said, My good fellow, are you in spirits? To which he replied, how can a dependent be in spirits? For you know, they see their wealth in others' power, who wait upon the king. They even fear to lose their lives, a doleful song they sing. Again, with birth begins the sorrow's which, forever after cling, the never-ending train of woes in service of a king. Five deaths in life sage Vyasa notes, with well-known epic swing, the poorer man, Sick man, exile, fool, and servant of the king. His food repels, he dare not say, an independent thing. Though sleepless he is not awake, who hangs upon a king. The common phrase, a dog's life, has a most persuasive ring. But dogs can do things that they like. A slave obeys his king. He must be chaste, sleep hard, grow thin, and eat a meager dinner. The servant lives as lives the saint. Yet is not saint, but sinner. He cannot do the things he would. He serves another's mind he sells his body, how can such a wretch contentment find? According to the lesser distance, a servant uses more persistence in watching for his master's whim and trembling at the sight of him. And this because a fire a king, a double name for a single thing, a burning thing that men can stand, afar but not too close at hand. What flavor has a tidbit, though it be as good as good, soft dainty melting in the mouth, if brought by servitude? To sum it all up, What is my place, my time, my friends, expenditure or dividends? And what am I, and what my power? So must one ponder, hour by hour. After listening to this, Lively said, perceiving that Victor had hidden purpose in mind, Tell me, my good fellow, what you wish to imply. And Victor answered, Well, you are my friend. I cannot help telling you what is to your profit. Here goes. The master, Rusty, is filled with wrath against you. And he said today, I will kill Lively and provide a feast for all who eat meat. Of course, I fell into a deep dejection on hearing this. Now you must do what the crisis demands. To Lively, this report was like the fall of a thunderbolt, and he fell into a deep dejection. Yet as Victor's words were always plausible, he grew more and more troubled, fell into a panic and said, Yes, the proverb is right. Women oft are tricked by scamps. Kings with rascals oft agree. Toward the skinflint's money drifts. Rain on mountains, falls, and sea. Ah me, ah me. What is this that has befallen me? You serve your king most headfully. Of course, who could complain? But enmity as your reward is unexpected pain. And again. If one is angry giving cause, remove it and the wrath will pause, but how may man propitiate a mind that harbors causes hate? Who does not fear the scoundrel's art, the causeless hate, the flinty heart, for ever ready venom drips, restless from his serpent lips? The stupid king swan pecks by night, at starshine in the water bright, believing it a lotus white. Then fearing stars when shines the sun, Avoids the lotus every one, Who dreads a trap, will blessing shun. Alas, what have I done to our master Rusty? Comrade, said Victor, kings love to injure things without reason, and they seek out the vulnerable spot in the adversary. True, too true, said Lively. There is wisdom in the verse. The serpent's sandal trees defiles, in lotus ponds lurk crocodiles. The slanderer makes virtue vain, no blessing lacks attendant pain. No lotus decks the mountain height, From scoundrel issues nothing right, To saints no change of heart is known, Rice never sprouts from barley sown. Nobility's constraints are felt by gracious saints, Who bear good deeds in mind, forget the other kind. Yet after all, the fault is mine, Because I made advances to a false friend, As the story goes. Harsh talk untimely action, False friends are worse than vain, The swan in lilies sleeping, Was by the arrow slain, How was that, asked Victor, and Lively told the story of the passion and the owl. To be continued. Uh, I love seeing Victor winding up rusty and lively until their eventual clash, and the bedbug's end was tragic, but fun to read and the blue jackal was just kind of sad all right and next up will be chapter fifteen: The Passion and the Owl. Thank you and good night.